As we looked several weeks back at the passage in Romans, it says all things work for good to those that are called according to God's purpose. And then it goes on to define what the good is that uh, all things work toward. And that good is to be conformed to the image of God's Son. And so, so the work of the Holy Spirit in Romans 8 is, is quite active. You know, we, we see the Holy Spirit mentioned many times more in that chapter than any other chapter. So the Holy Spirit is working in our lives as we trust Him to conform us to the image of Christ. So that Christ is a template or a stencil or a mold or a form just as we might use, as I mentioned, a stencil when doing artwork or a form in the foundry where you put in that heavy special sand that's packed around a wooden form. Then the form's taken out and the molten steel is poured in and you get a cast iron uh, shape for our various tools or machines. And so there is a template or a form or a mold that in a sense... The Holy Spirit looks at Christ, as it were, and forms us to the image of Christ. And so that which the Holy Spirit did in Christ, He does in us. And so that all things work for good is not our definition of good or necessarily nice or pleasant because all things, the good that God did in Jesus' life was not pleasant. In fact, much was painful. And so God worked through Christ in his human side, both his suffering and his resurrection. And so this passage in Isaiah, uh, which is about the suffering servant or the coming Messiah, lays out these words that God's saying to the Messiah, telling him what he's going to do, telling them that he's called him from all time. It's, it's rich and powerful, and he says who he is, and that he called him for this purpose. Um, you are my servant. I will in you display my splendor. And his reply is, in verse 4 of that passage in Isaiah, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. So those are the words of Jesus, the Messiah, as he's anticipating what he would say. And so when we're being conformed to the image of Christ, there are two alwayses. The one was several weeks back, and that was from 2 Corinthians 4, always dying. Paul says, I always carry about in my body the death of Christ. So, so Paul's suffering in Christ as he seeks to take the message. Always dying. Then we come this week to where he says, 
We are always in Christ triumphant. So if we're always dying, and if we're always triumphant, then it's not one or the other, or although any time in life we might feel exuberant after we win a championship, or for me, pickup sticks finally. And the older granddaughter says, whispering in my ear, are you really letting her win? I said, no, I'm not letting her win. So there's exuberance when, when we win, but in the Christian life, being conformed to the image of Christ, just as Christ took on human form and died and rose, both to bring about our salvation as we follow Him and do His work in this community, in this building, and in our neighborhood, and where we go to work, and where we go to school. God forming us to be like Christ always dying, caring about in our body the death of Christ, and always triumphant. Both at the same time. And it's very interesting, if we were to look back at what we looked at several weeks ago about uh, being beat down, caring about in, in my body the death of Christ, there was also the message, uh, the victory was there. And this week, as we look at 2 Corinthians, where he says, we're always victorious, always triumphant, we're going to see both at the same time, this always triumphant is mixed with death. So, so both at the same time. Um, I, I re-listened to the speaker who was at this conference uh, for preachers and he was the first one, as I mentioned before, uh, of about 12 messages. And he talked um, about preachers being discouraged. And I pointed out if there was a conference on grandparents, if there was a conference on parents or firefighters or policemen, or no matter what you might do, um, we get discouraged in our work and in our, our lives. And he said, there may be some here today that are thinking about writing their resignation letter when they get back home. And so he was addressing pastors, but I'm addressing people that are living for Christ right here. And there may be a sense of, as hard as I've tried, these certain things are just too painful. So, always dying, that's part of the image. But here we have today, always, always triumphant. And so, uh, we'll look a bit closer uh, at this passage. You have it in the uh, New English uh, version. Uh, I would be using that version if I hadn't started with the NIV and have all my notes in my Bible, but it was, NIV was fresh when I started preaching, and uh, this old dog hasn't uh, learned that new trick, although I wish I had all my notes in an ESV Bible. So I'm going to convert back. So if the words are a little different, bear with me. Uh, so Paul uh, is talking about his journey to the uh, Corinthians and where he was going, giving them some background. 
And, and uh, he's talking about his journey, and he got to Troas to preach the gospel. Um, and, and there was these opportunities. I, I don't know about you, but I get excited when there's a window of opportunity. I, it always feels if there's an opportunity, a window of opportunity, that I need to go through it. Uh, probably the biggest mistake I made early in ministry was if I could imagine something, I thought it should be done. Well, you tend to get a little overextended and the people in the church start looking at you and say, you sure you want to do all that stuff? And I said, sure, I want you to do all that stuff. Um, so, so he had this opportunity, this window of opportunity to preach the gospel. And, and he wanted to. But Titus wasn't there. And, and he wasn't at peace. It, he wasn't comfortable. It, it just wasn't right. And so he said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. There's a, a disappointment, a lost opportunity. But, he said, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ isn't that something? That Christ is taking this triumphal procession. Now, the people in the Roman culture would understand this is what happened in Rome when the Caesars won a battle. They would come back and triumph, bring those that they had defeated, maybe bring wild animals from wherever they were, and, and have this parade of triumph. But it wasn't just the Romans. It's back from the book of Psalms. The kings have always done this triumph. And, and we have in Ephesians where uh, Paul talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure you've studied the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it says that Christ, uh, who descended, also ascended. And from the ascension, his triumphal entry, he passed out or scattered gifts, the spiritual gifts that are used to build the church. And so this triumph is not of an earthly king conquering a people, but it's Christ conquering sin and conquering death and conquering all that would tear us down and, and rip us apart. He is on his way to heaven. He is there right now. And in his triumph, he always leads us in triumph. So why is it we don't always feel triumphant? Well, it's because these two things happen at the same time. Always dying, always triumphant. Now, let's look at the, this always triumphant, what it is. Because it may not be, just as in Romans, it says all things work for good, it's not how we define good, it's how God defines good. And that's being conformed to the image of God. And so when it says, he leads us uh, in triumphal procession, always, what is the triumph? Or what is the victory? Now, good, I don't see any fifth grade boys here. So I'm gonna maybe. There, I don't know if I should tell you this. But there's something about fifth-grade boys in the playground. If they can beat up a sixth-grade boy, 
That's really something. Now, I don't know why, except that I was a fifth grade boy, that I felt obliged to do this. Um, finally, one boy taught me not to fight anymore. Uh, and I didn't fight again because, you know, I didn't turn out triumphant as I had hoped. But you see, a fifth grade boy might think always triumphant is being able to beat up the sixth grade boy. That's not how it is. And so you can translate that into your life, what triumph might be for you. But is it what God has in mind? Here's the triumph. For we are to God the aroma of Christ. That's what, that's what the triumph is. We smell of Jesus. Usually if you'd say somebody smells of something, it wouldn't be a positive. It might be a negative. Unless somebody's cooking Christmas cookies or something. You smell like a Christmas cookie. But we smell of Jesus. The aroma of Christ to God. Do you ever think of yourself, I smell like Jesus to God? Sometimes, quite frankly, I get embarrassed when I preach. I mean, who walks around telling people I smell like Jesus to God? I mean, would, would you do that? I mean, I'm not on Facebook, but, but those of you who are, you say, hey, guess what? I smell like Jesus to God. God sniffs and he smells Jesus when he smells me. I mean, it's, it's, it, it sounds weird. We don't think that way. But it says that way. So we, we need, what does it mean that we are the aroma of Christ to God? But it's not just to God. We smell that way among two groups of people. Among those who are being saved, we smell to God like Jesus. And those who are perishing, we smell to God like Jesus, and the people sense Christ. Those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the fragrance of death to death. People that are dying, that don't know Christ, and we do, and we're reflecting God and pleasing God, we smell like death to death to them. Now, does that sound like triumph? It, it, it's quite a profound thing. And as I said several weeks ago, these ideas may take a few weeks or months or years to settle in. And to the other people, those who are being saved, we are the fragrance of life to life. And so, because we're walking with Christ, what does it mean we are the stench of death to death? Well, if, if someone doesn't know Christ or repressing Christ, uh, and, and, and Romans tells us if, if we don't love and acknowledge God... We do know it, but we suppress the truth. And someone who knows Christ then makes us aware that we're not. Just as the Pharisees constantly, in their battle with Christ, wanted to kill him. 
And, and so that's what happens, even as we don't try to be offensive. Now, sometimes we're just simply offensive. Now, that's a different thing. <laughs> Some of us are just miserable. That's not the Christian uh, thing. But if we're loving Christ, some people get uncomfortable. Even if we don't say anything, it's just uncomfortable, even death to death. And to others, they sense there's life, there's hope, there's energy. And, and that's what we are to God as we walk around, just as Christ. Everybody he went to, he would confront them with sin. Pharisees wanted to kill him. The tax collectors and others repented and reached out and received life. There was no neutrality as Christ walked this earth. They sensed God and they either wanted Him away and done with, or they repented. There isn't neutrality there. And then it asks, who is equal to such a task? Who can live up to it? That walking through life... As you leave here, as you go with your family, friends, as you go to school, as you go to work, who can live up to smelling this aroma of Christ to God before the people? You can't. It, it, once you grasp it, it's so overwhelming that you realize, I can't do this. Thus, we remember from Romans, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to transform us to the image of Christ and to do this work in us. Now, to understand this aroma, it's not like cinnamon coming from a kitchen or something like that. The aroma is a direct reference to the Old Testament sacrifices. And so when you go back in Leviticus and study uh, the sacrifices, the sacrifice for sin, the sacrifice of the animal, the priest's sacrifice for their sin, and then for the people, in that sacrifice where they acknowledged their sin, there was an aroma that was pleasing to God. So in the sacrifice, this, this, this constant... Um, triumph that we're in is connected to the animal sacrifice, which was an aroma, and it was looking forward to the sacrifice of Christ, which was pleasing to God. And we're being conformed to the image of Christ, so we are that aroma to God, which was the Old Testament sacrifice, and then the New Testament New covenant sacrifice of Christ on the cross. So, so God is, in a sense, breathing when He senses us what Jesus did on the cross. That's the aroma. And so while it's always triumphant, it's based on Christ's Always death. And so Jesus said, pick up my cross daily and follow me. And so, so we're called to live a life sacrificing as Christ did on his behalf, where God is working through us, changing us 
layer by layer, peeling away, as it were, the onion skins of sin. And every time you get one peeled away, guess what? There's another one. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, but people who are very far from God don't feel far from God. And the closer you get to God and the closer you know him and the more layers of sin that get peeled away and as your sensitivities increase, you start realizing the distance there is between you and God. Because there's another layer and another layer. And there's another layer that needs peeled away so that that can be thrown away and we're changed from one degree of glory to another. And so to embrace the dying and to know the triumphant, always, always, that struck home to me. These two things I knew before, but at this conference, that it's always, always, all the time. And so when I, just as Paul got down because things weren't right at this one place, We tend to mope. Is there anybody here that enjoys being depressed for a while? I I don't know. If you struggle with depression, there's something about it on the first phase or the first wave of it that's pleasurable. You may think I'm weird, but people enjoy being depressed. That's why we go there. There, But then it gets stuck, and then it's not so good. So what is it that sets us free to know that always, there's a dying, as Christ always died. And he's, God said, look, you're my chosen one. But he said, I, I, I failed. The people didn't come to me. They wouldn't let me gather them. And at the same time, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so I trust that God will speak to you, whether you're kind of experiencing the dying part of life um, or the triumphant part, because even when we're triumphant, we know that it's only Christ in us. It's not us doing it. And when we're dying, we know that Christ has taken this on himself. So whether it be family or school or work or the church or interpersonal relationships, whatever it is that God wants to work in you, always, always, always dying to Christ, always triumphant in Christ. And that's our hope as long as we're walking until the day we walk for et- with eternity with God, we'll have both of those. And then the day will come where it will always only be living before our holy God. Let us pray. God and our Father, we need your help. We thank you so much that you've told us that You want us to be molded in the image of Christ. So help us to know Christ better. What it is He has done, is doing, and how you're working in our lives. How we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.